everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Hey, thank you guys for being here today. Thank you so much for being here. You know, very, very soon, millions of conversations will end in a moment's notice. A couple of pilots will be taxiing down the runway. The pilot will turn to his co-pilot expecting to see him there and all he'll see is a leather seat. A mother will get ready to embrace her infant and all she will see or feel are a bunch of warm sheets. A wife will go to say something to her husband. He'll be gone. I'm describing to you an instantaneous act of God where he moves us from here to there, from this planet to paradise. I'm talking about the end of the world. We have a fascination with the future, don't we? All of us are thinking about the future. Save for the future, plan for the future. All these movies and novels that we see and and that we experience and read about, they're all about the future. People like the paranormal and we're thinking about UFOs and science fiction and all of that. Why? Why such a fascination with the future? Why are we so freaked out, sometimes fretful and fearful about forever? Well, I can answer that question. In the book of Ecclesiastes, over in the Old Testament, chapter three, Verse 11, the Bible says that God has planted eternity. He set eternity in our hearts. Isn't that cool? The God of the universe has set this eternal longing in your heart and mine. That's why we have this desire, this, this focus on the forever. And during these talks, I've been trying to hammer home one simple yet profound principle. Are you ever ready for the ever after. That's the deal. Are you ever ready for the ever after? Because we know things are moving toward the end. It's like reading a cool novel. How many readers do we have? Anybody like to read? Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, sometimes, I'll confess this, when I'm reading and I get a little bit fearful and fretful, I get stressed out, worried, you know, what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen? I sometimes will turn to the last chapter of the book, I hate to confess this, and read, the last two or three pages, and when I skim those pages and I see that everything turns out okay, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm so happy. They lived happily ever after. That gives me great confidence, great assurance, great strength when I'm reading the novel. Well, our great God has done that. All you gotta do is just study the final things. All you gotta do is read the last several pages, and guess what? We live happily ever after. Guess what? We win. Isn't isn't that awesome? We win. So whenever we talk about the final things, whenever we talk about the end times, it should be a time of enlightenment. We should be enlightened like, wow, this this is cool, man. It should be a time of encouragement. Yeah, I'm encouraged, whoa. And also it should should cause us to be evangelistic. In other words, it should cause us to say, okay, God has given me this one and only life. I'm only here for what, 60, 70, 80 years if I eat right 
and, and do okay there. So I need to squeeze the juice out of every moment possible. And also, God wants to use me as a great influencer in my neck of the woods. So it should challenge me to share this great news with others. So most of us here are like, yeah, this encourages me. This enlightens me. This, this makes me more evangelistic. Maybe others are like, whoa, dude, this is kind of scary. Because maybe just maybe in your heart of hearts, you're not ever ready for the ever after. My dogs don't have a sense of the future. This morning I got up, sat in my office with a cup of coffee, thinking about today. Today I'm gonna have an exciting day. I'm going to Pensacola to speak. And then Wednesday I'm going to Northern California to speak. And I was just kicking back, you know, just, just thinking, praying a little bit, just relaxing. All of our six dogs were around me in the office. And I looked at my Doberman, who is probably the most intelligent of the bunch, and, and I could tell Dutch was not thinking about the future. I mean, I hate to, I hate to tell you that. I hate, to, I hate to rain on your animalistic parade, but the dog is not thinking, okay, what am I gonna do tomorrow? I wonder about next week, next month. My master's bags are packed. What does that mean? He's a dog. We're not animals. We're humans. We're made in the image of God. And we have this ability to do what? To think about the past, the present, and the future. Now, we don't always know what the future holds, but we know the one who holds the future. And that's Jesus. So I want to take you on a quick journey. I want to give you the Wikipedia version of the final things. Now, I'm going to continue along this train next week. Now, what I'm going to talk about, some of the stuff is debated. It's, it's in the scriptures. A lot of it is mysterious. Some of us here are going to have a hard time because we're so in the natural. We have a hard uh, time wrapping our brains around it. But God always puts his super on our natural. And what I'm going to share with you, I don't know every answer. Here's what I want you to remember when you think about studying the final days, the end of the world, because the Bible tells us to study it, because the Bible promises us we'll be blessed when we study it. But here's the thing you need to understand. Don't get so caught up in the how and the why and the when. Don't get caught up in data that doesn't matter that you miss the who, the you, and what you're supposed to do. You see. You don't just study it just to study it and go, wow, I know this fact, I know this figure, I see this, I see that trend. That's good, rah, 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 go team, go. It should translate though into what? Into life change, into your life, into my life, and also into things that we're to do. It should translate in your marriages, it should translate into your dating relationships, it should translate into your friendships, it should translate into the classroom, it should translate into the basketball team, it should translate in football practice, it should translate in the shows you watch, it should translate in everything we do. It's enlightenment, it's encouragement, and it's all about sharing. Ecclesiastes 3.11, God has set eternity in our heart. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you might want to turn there. As you turn there, it describes something. The rapture. The rapture. It describes this force 
this sudden force that takes us, the church, followers of Christ, from here to there, from this planet to where? Paradise. You ever seen LeBron James play basketball? When LeBron is in the open court, when LeBron is all alone, slam dunk, no problem. Just another day at the office for LeBron. Is it difficult for God to rapture the church? Here's the church, there's the steeple, open the doors and see all the people. See, is it difficult for him to do that? No. Think about Enoch in the Old Testament. He, boom, moved from here to there. Think about Elijah in the Old Testament. Boom, jumped on a chariot of fire, a Maserati on steroids. Boom, from here to there. So it's no problem for God to move you and me from here to there. 1 Thessalonians, if you have your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. Let me give you a basic illustration. Tarzan, yelling, When Tarzan yelled, what happened? The wild kingdom followed him. Jesus is gonna shout. His people, his followers will hear his voice. Those of us who are followers of him will be raptured. We'll meet him in the clouds. The rapture is invisible. The dead in Christ will rise first. Wait, what about my grandfather, my uncle, my aunt, my son, my daughter, my spouse? The moment they die, their soul goes to heaven. Their soul goes to paradise if they follow Christ. Their bodies are in the grave. When the rapture occurs, the first to rise will be those who are dead in Christ. Because after all, they need a six foot head start. Thank you very much. You're just getting that. Okay, it's early, I know. You've not had enough espresso today. Then, those of us in Christ will be taken up with Jesus. Okay, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead of Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive, if we're still here, if we've not died, and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. This is kind of some cool Bible trivia. Every time Jesus shouted, a resurrection took place. You remember his friend Lazarus? Lazarus had died. Jesus said, Lazarus, get up. Boom, Lazarus rose from the grave. Now, many scholars think if Jesus would have said, get up, just get up, all the dead would have risen. But he said, Lazarus, get up. All right, also, Jesus yelled from the cross. He said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. What happened when he said that from the cross? Many saints were, were resurrected and they cruised around. Right here, he's gonna yell with a shout, boom, we're out of here, Jack. The rapture of the church. Well, what's the rapture gonna do? You know what the rapture's gonna do? Think about it. Conversations will end in mid-sentence. An airplane's taxiing. A pilot will look to the co-pilot, he's not there. A mom will go to embrace her child, the child's gone. Do you know what? Do you know what will happen? People will freak. All of a sudden, squillions of people are gone. 
They're out of here? Did aliens take them? What happened? Wow, ooh, ah, ah! The tribulation will take place. You ever heard of the tribulation? You ever heard of that? Clap your hands if you have. All right. Here's a tribulation. It's gonna be some crazy stuff. Seven years. The seven year tribulation. It's kicked started because of what? Because of the rapture of the church. During the tribulation, you'll have three and a half years of peace. Three and a half years of peace, all right? Peace sign. Then you'll have three and a half years of crazy pill stuff. I'm talking about lawlessness. I'm talking about people trying to commit suicide and they can't. And, and, and the Bible says several sins will be very, very prominent during this time and there's several signs that we can look at as we look for the end of the world. You might wanna jot these down. Drug usage. The Bible talks about drug usage and the occult. Drug arrests since 1970 have increased 411%. How about sexual promiscuity? That's another sign. Out of wedlock births have increased 40% over the last 10 years. Deaths from sexually transmitted diseases have increased since 1997, 61%. There's a theft, lawlessness. There's a theft that occurs every 14.6 seconds in our land today. So obviously the stage is set. I mean, we're right there. During this time, guess who's gonna show up? The Antichrist, you ever heard of him? There's been movies made about him. The Antichrist. All right, this guy will take on the mark, you know, 666, one world. You ever heard of that, does that sound familiar? Government, one world currency, you can see everything moving toward that. He's the guy, you know, who's gonna come in and bring peace, then everything will hit the fan. It culminates with this ginormous war. The mother of all war. Sound effects mine. The tank, you know. I'm ADD, I have to do this to pay attention to myself. I'm serious. That's the battle of Armageddon. That's the mother of all battles. And I've been right there with people in this church, in the area where it's gonna go down. And it's like, whoa, this is freaky. And I got a little fearful, a little bit of fretful. Then I thought, why am I getting fearful and fretful? I should be encouraged because I've been enlightened. And that should be evangelistic. So now, what happens? Well, those of us who are in Christ, all right, we're with Jesus in the heavenlies. The tribulation has taken place. You'll love this. The mother of all battles has taken place. But, but let me just throw in one cool thing for you. Think about how chaotic our world is right now. Just, just think about it. The wars and the rumor of wars and the diseases and 
What happened in Fort Hood just hours ago? Wheels off, out of control. You remove the Holy Spirit of God from this planet? You remove the church from this planet? Are you kidding me? It's gonna go wacko. Well, during this time, to show you how great our God is, he picks a race of people to be evangelists on steroids. Now, as you think about the people groups, who are the most tenacious, the most resilient, the most intelligent, the most blessed? Obviously, God's chosen people, the Jews, the Jews. So my best friends are Jews. Jews make the best Christians around. They have a great capacity for God. We have many here at Fellowship Church. Well, 144,000 Jewish evangelists will be doing the stuff during the tribulation. They will lead, it'll be very difficult, they will lead some to Christ during the tribulation. So now, all right, you tracking? We're back, boom, the second coming. Okay, the second coming. This is invisible, the rapture. This is visible. Jesus brings back you and me, all those you know, in the church who've been raptured, boom, now we're back. Those here joined together. And it's stunning to see how things that were out of place are now back in place. Have you ever wondered why you have that desire for things to be in place? People say, everything has its place, everything has its place. And I'm not obsessive compulsive, but I'm a little bit obsessive compulsive, you know? And sometimes people come over to your house and they kind of move stuff around and you're like, man, that's out of place. Or you get in someone's car, oh, these things feel out of place, you know? Things that are out of place need to have their place. Well, when Jesus comes back, three things that are out of place will be put back in place. Number one, what's that? The church. The church. The bride and the bridegroom, the bridegroom being Jesus and the church, joined together. Number two, something that's out of place that'll be put in place, the devil will be incarcerated, the criminal in prison. And number three, Jesus will be, Christ will be on his throne. And I've got to stop right there. Now, this is very, very important. Stay with me. Do not zone out. A thousand years a thousand years, remember that. That's a millennium. A thousand years, let me highlight that. Say a thousand with me. That's very, very, very important. Some respected theologians and biblical scholars would put the a thousand years not there, they would put it there or there. Some would be pre-millennialist, others would be mid-millennialist, post-millennialist, ah-millennialist. You know what I am? I'm a pan-millennialist. I believe it'll all pan out in the end. Because, <laughs> because, this is very important, there is great debate over the exact chronological order of all of this to about right here. This is a great debate. 
And this is a non-essential, friends. What's the essential? The essential is the second coming. Jesus is coming back, that's an essential. And at Fellowship Church, I say this every time, I talk about membership at Fellowship Church. Listen to me very carefully, read my lips. In the essentials, we practice unity. What's the essential? The Bible is the word of God. Salvation by grace through faith. Baptism by immersion. Priesthood of the believer. Those are the essentials of the faith. A non-essential of the faith would be your eschatology. Your view of the final things. Some people just believe in the second coming of Jesus. The imminent second return of Christ. Boom, he's back. There we are. Others believe in all of this. And I happen to, to I think I believe in this the rapture, you know, the seven-year tribulation, I think we'll be taken out before it, and then the battle. Some people think we'll go through it, others think we'll be taken out right here in the middle. Who knows? But it's a non-essential. So in the essentials, we practice what? Unity. In the non-essentials, we practice charity. We got people who believe different things about this, good for you. But don't get so into the data at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter that you forget it's about the second coming, you forget it's about the who and the you and what you're supposed to do. A non-essential of the faith would be dancing. Some people here at Fellowship Church, they, they dance. If you wanna dance, that's a non-essential. Now, dirty dancing is a sin. Dancing is not. Some people choose not to dance. Those with no rhythm, that's fine. I'll tell you another non-essential, alcohol consumption. Oh, let me make people nervous, alcohol consumption. I can build a case for drinking in moderation from the scriptures. You can't debate me on it. I can give you a great case for it. Also, I can give you a great case for abstinence. That's between you and God, that's a non-essential. Now, if you wanna have a glass of wine or a beer, Rah, 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 go team, go. However, I have seen, you've seen what alcoholism can do to marriages, to families, to lives. So that's a non-essential. So this stuff here, boom, boom, non-essential. Here, essential. Have you ever heard this before? People say, don't judge me. You're judging. Man, don't, don't, don't be judging me. I would love to diesel on, but next time, I'm talking about something that very, very, very few churches ever talk about. It's one of the hottest topics in scripture. It's, it's, it's an essential of the faith. It's the judgment of God. Because in this, and this is an essential here, there's a judgment, a big honking, gargantuan judgment that goes on. And we need to understand this whole judgment thing. My prayer for you is not to get caught up in all of the wins and the hows and the whys, but remember, here's the flow of it. Remember the who and the you and what you're supposed to do. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to have confidence as you live your life. We have hope beyond hope. We've got faith. We should have one eye on eternity, the other on the temporal. We've got to live that way. And when we do that, it's like the old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, 
And the things of earth, materialism, greed, pride, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When I struggle in those areas, I'm having my eyes too focused on matter, on the temporal, and not enough on the eternal. Now matter matters, yet there's gotta be the balance. When Jesus comes back, he's gonna draw those of us to himself. It'll happen here in the rapture, it'll happen during the second coming. Whenever I wear a sport coat like this, I get so angry. This is where I'm a little bit obsessive compulsive. When my collar gets kind of jacked up, you know? But look at this collar. Is this collar perfect? Just tell me, it's perfect, isn't it? It's perfect. Sometimes I've worn collars that aren't perfect, and I've like been speaking at a conference or whatever, and I'll be doing the whole thing like this. And people are like, you know? A friend of mine in Miami said, Ed, your collar's jacked up, man. You need something. And let me tell you what he did. I want to give you a fashion tip. You'll, you'll, you'll love this, okay. Why is my collar perfect? Is it a great shirt? Shirt's good, but here's what's great. See that right there, you got it? Oh, is, is it that? Yep. You know what that is? A magnet. <laughs> Check it out. You take the magnet off. Would you hold that for me? Sure. Thank you. And right here, guess what you got? A collar stay. Not one of those plastic ones that'll make you ah, fly away. Ah, no, 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 nothing like that. Ladies, you ever seen your man like this? Okay, honey, let's go. You know what this is? It's a magnet. Check it out. Pink. A magnet. Pink. What does a magnet do? A magnet attracts itself to something like itself. Iron, boom. You, you move this magnet over other stuff, it ain't gonna stick. You rub it over something like itself, boom. What's gonna happen right here? Jesus is the magnet. He's gonna move himself over humanity. And those of us who have a like nature, we are gonna be attracted to him joined to him, and we can magnify him. Isn't that great news? That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So it should cause those of us who are in Christ to share this good news with others, to tug people along to fellowship church all the time, to share our story. Those of you who are still wondering about Christianity, man, think about those final things. Think about the past, the present, the future. Think about the fact that there are eight times more predictions for Christ's return than was his birth. Think about the fact that one out of every 30 verses in the New Testament is about the second coming of Jesus. When you do that, things will happen and you'll be ever ready for the ever after. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. 
There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless. God bless.